0: Now, here's your host of Sound Off, Brad Bennett.
1: Well, we are back. Hour number two, and this is a very important hour. Now, usually this hour takes place on Wednesdays. The last Wednesday of the month is uh, Let the Sawdust Fly, hour number two. Uh, But because of the twins uh, preempting us yesterday, uh, we asked Peter to come on with his guest today. And Peter Wood, uh, representing the wood logging industry of northern Minnesota, and the trucking industry. Would you uh, please introduce your guest, which is so exciting to me.
2: Well, Brad, thanks for allowing us back in on the airways and folks, I'm glad you're willing to listen and take time out of your day. Yes, we did get bumped by America's pastime yesterday, but that's life, but we're glad to be here today. And uh, I just want to back up just a little bit here to get a little perspective, folks, on how this came about, who we have for guests. I'm very, very thankful that Ron came on, is willing to come on from SD paper. But uh, how these things start, sometimes you don't even know how they start, but this probably started when I started. Thinking about it about over 20 years ago, back in the 90s, Uh met the, a family called by the Dahl family up at uh, a mountain iron, and they have land. They have a fair amount of land, and they they hunt it. And do hunt. we do hunting land, we do grouse land, you name it, we harvest it, and we manage the forest. Well, a certain way you do hunting land is a certain way for deer hunting, and you do chunks every so many years. And uh, at first I used to deal with Chuck Dahl out of Mountain Iron, and then now he's kind of semi-retired. And, and now I deal with his son, Tim. And Tim Tim is a, was a worker at the paper mill in Duluth, and I knew that. And then after a while, when it closed down, we did a chunk for them again this past winter, and I started asking Tim about what's going on down there, and he said he got hired on back with uh, SD paper. And I said, wow, would it be possible to talk to somebody from there that would be willing to come on the radio And I said, all I want to know is, could you give me a name or a number that I could call and talk to? So Tim did it, and that's how I came in touch with Ron, and Ron's been excellent, been on and off talking for months, actually, for this point. So folks, uh, Brad, uh, it's been an honor to be able to get somebody from the paper mill on to where we can talk about what really goes on there, and you'll learn a lot about what goes on. So Ron, are you there?
0: Yes, I am. Good afternoon. <laughs>
2: great, great. Uh, this is Brad show, but the let, let the sawdust fly today. And we're here to talk about how uh, Ron Theory from ST Paper, how it came about and how you required the property And that. Ron, could we get a little bit of a background about yourself and ST Paper, just a little bit?
0: Sure. Um, yeah, I've been uh, in the really the tissue part of the paper industry for 34, 35 years now, and um, most of my time, you know, has been in mills that utilize recycled fiber, and um, I guess first off, I'm a, I'm a Wisconsin native, uh, grew up on a dairy farm, so kind of the, the typical Wisconsin story, so, um, <clears throat> you know, being involved in a, in a project in, you know, the upper Midwest is, is always exciting for me personally, and, you um, you know our our company is is family owned um, by Sherrod Tock and his son Sahil. Um, Sherrod's been an entrepreneur his entire life and in a variety of different uh, uh, technology companies, energy. Um, I believe at some point he even owned uh, some radio and TV stations. So he, he's been an entrepreneur, and about uh, 2007. He entered into the into the paper industry, into the tissue business, uh, by acquiring a, a facility in Wisconsin, about a half hour north of Green Bay. At that time, I was working for a company that was a, a customer of that mill, so I met met Sherrod. And uh, as things work out, I I went a different direction, joined a different company for about ten years, and and stayed in touch with them and. Um, Lo and behold, about four years ago, uh, decided to join up with him. So we we currently have that facility operating in in Wisconsin. Um, About uh, 2011, 2012, um, Sherrod acquired a facility in uh, Franklin, Virginia, about an hour uh, west of Norfolk, Uh, That mill had also been shut down uh, previously by international paper. Um, He and his team went in and reinvested and and kind of renovated two paper machines that had been making printing and writing copy-type papers and uh, transformed them into uh, currently producing washroom towels and, and napkins. Uh, so we've through the years we we continue to keep our eyes open for for opportunity and, and facilities that uh, may be candidates for repurposing and um, when we heard the the word that uh, Versa was shutting the mill down in Duluth um, we knew it had fiber recycling capabilities uh, we knew that it was uh, a relatively Young facility, as far as paper mills go, and and that piqued our interest. So um, I believe it was uh, between Christmas and New Year's of um, I guess 2020. It would have been kind of right in the smack dab in the middle of uh, COVID. um, We I made my first visit up to uh, Duluth, um, saw the facility. it was very apparent that the assets had been uh, well maintained, well cared for, which obviously speaks highly of of uh, the people that had worked there and and cared for it well. And uh, from there, the the wheels started turning. And um, Ron, uh, you
1: know, this- Ron, th- th- Ron, this is Brad Bennett, and I just I don't want to take you back too far, but I I I, I want when you said you're you've been in the tissue part of it for 35 years. I think maybe we need to let people know that are listening to the show what kind of a uh, what kind of a plant was currently here in Duluth. I mean, I know, but a lot of people may not know what kind of paper they were producing and then what kind of uh tissue papers you people uh will convert and manufacture out of Duluth. Could you do that?
0: Certainly. Yeah, the uh, the facility had previously been producing, you know, the industry what we call super calendar grades, which which doesn't mean a whole lot. But if you if you visualize, um, not so much today, but if you go back five, ten years, and you'd pick up a Sunday newspaper, and really everything that would fall out of the middle, um, you know, the ads for the grocery stores and. You know, Kohl's department store, or you know, Target, Walmart, all the the different right. flyers and ads that were in inside the newspaper uh, were likely, you know, grades of paper that would have been made at the um, in the Duluth mill. And of course, as newspaper circulation's gone down and advertising has changed. Uh, demand for that type of paper has uh, has declined to the point where uh, it was no longer viable to keep the mill in operation.
1: Yeah, this was high was high-end gloss, usually glossy type paper, uh, but, but they call it calendar grade because you'd find it made up of calendars. So as soon as I knew they were going to close, I thought, well, gee, there's a lot of uh, potential out there that there could, they could do other things. Now, what kinds of things does SP paper or ST paper do? Do, uh, do you make toilet paper and hand wipes and those kinds of things? Or what, what will you be converting the use to?
0: Right. What we, what we currently do is 're we're, we're a contract manufacturer. you won't you won't okay. find our products on a, on a store shelf. So what we do currently is is we make large rolls of paper. we sell large rolls of paper to to other companies that convert them you know, cut them down, oh, rewind okay. and package them into um, predominantly products that would be used in in what we refer to as away from home, uh, applications. So schools, restaurants, uh, convenience stores, office buildings, um, public restrooms of any type is where our products would ultimately end up. And, um, sure. at the facility in Wisconsin, we make predominantly white grades. So you think of bathroom tissue, um, maybe dinner napkins that you'd find at a, at a, at a sit down restaurant and out in virginia we predominantly make um brown washroom towels and and brown napkins uh like you'd find at a uh, uh quick service restaurant
1: okay okay how about uh things like uh um uh, me- or uh, um I'm thinking like mechanic towels that you would find in a in a garage or gas station uh do, does your company make anything like that
0: we, we actually do. Uh, we do some things uh, that, again, we would refer to as, you know, wiper products. You might find uh, some blue. Typically, they're blue for whatever reason. Um, right. You know, windshield wiper towels or, or mechanic towels. Uh, we have done some things uh, more on a, on a product development type basis with a, with a company uh, actually in Milwaukee. Uh, that does some further processing uh, of our sheet to make um, uh, more specialized uh, hand wiping for uh, grease and, and more water resistant type applications.
1: Well, well, Ron. Uh, f- first of all, I'm sure you've been welcomed to the Duluth area a million times, but I would like to welcome you as well. Now, we are a uh, we are a commercial radio station, of course, so we have to take a break to do a commercial here. But maybe while we're away, you'll think about the uh, the uh, how much uh, conversion there is going to be and how you're going about that process there at the plant. And we can talk a little bit about that when we come back. But, uh, Northlanders, I'd like to remind everybody that uh, one of our great sponsors, uh, you know, we've got real estate companies that sell homes. But before you go out to buy a home, you need to have a mortgage. You should have a mortgage in place. And Jason Wallstrom of Hancock Mortgage Partners can make that happen for you. Look, buying a home should be fun. Uh, therefore, we bring you uh, a home faster. If you've got a mortgage set up ahead of time, you know what? You can walk into any home, and when the agent says, uh, well, uh, yeah, I'm, I, I'd be happy to show you the home, but can you qualify to, for a mortgage? You can just hold that piece of paper up and say, you know what? I already got it taken care of through Hancock Mortgage Partners. Jason Malstrom is located right here in Duluth, Minnesota, in the Piedmont uh, Twenty Eight. 18 Piedmont Avenue, Suite E, and he can set you up with just about any kind of home loan you need, whether it's a construction loan, a home improvement loan, a new home purchase loan, a cash-out debt or consolidation refinancing. Jason is dedicated to providing you with the highest level of service and care. With hundreds of loans programs available, he will find you the best one for you at the lowest rate. So if you're thinking about finding a home or building a business or whatever it happens to be, give Jason a call today at 218-216-1377. That's 218-216-1377. He'll get the process going for you ahead of time. Get that loan uh, mortgage set up, the mortgage approved, and you'll be on your way to a fun, fast new home here in the Northland. So remember that name, Jason Malstrom, Hancock Mortgage Partners, right here in Piedmont Avenue in Duluth, Minnesota. Kenny, let's take our first break, and then we'll come back with Ron talking about the uh, new ST paper plant out in West Duluth. Giant Redwood, launch the fir, the mighty Scots pine, the smell of fresh-cut timber, the crash of mighty trees. With my best girl by my side, we'd sing, sing, sing! I'm a lumberjack and I'm okay I sleep all night and I work all day <laughs>
2: He's a lumberjack and he's okay uh. He sleeps all night
1: and he works all day And, and Ron, that's actually Pete singing that song. That's yeah, actually yeah, yeah. <laughs> The best
2: gal by my side is my wife. I'm yeah. trying to get her to come on one time to explain what it's like to be you married to a logger, that. but she won't do it, oh. so folks, maybe someday I can get her to shame her into it. But anyway. Well,
1: Ron, Ron, Ron let me just say this about Pete Wood. Uh, this might be my show, but, uh, but Pete contacted me years ago and said, you know, logging industry needs a a voice in the Northland. You know, steel has its steel show on WDIO and we need a venue. And I thought, "Mm, okay, well, we'll try it for a, a week or a couple of times. And you know what? It has become very, very popular. And you won't find a better spokesman for the logging industry than Pete Wood. So you got yourself connected pretty good there, Ron. And I think you're going to find a good relationship between loggers and uh, and your new plant. Out well, in West
2: Brad, you're you're making it sound something I'm not. I'm just a regular guy, just like anybody else. But I do appreciate the confidence, and I thank you so greatly for allowing us to come on. But um, it would be great if uh, if we could get Ron. What what was it like to come to Duluth and you 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 know nobody basically and you gotta get you got your sewer, you got your water, you got your power. How did that come about? Did you have to talk with the city officials with the mayor and that? What what took place during those times? Because you you're coming in here kinda blinded. The mill is there, the roads, everything's there, the scale, blacktop, rail system, excellent highway system. What was it like?
0: No, you're absolutely right. There were, there were a lot of moving pieces, um, you know, prior to coming to terms on, on purchasing the mill. Um, you know, we needed to, you know, have, have clarity on uh, the availability and the cost for all those major utilities. And, um, you know, I guess the point people that we worked with were, were in, the, in the city economic development um, office, and, um you know they were they were very helpful and and it's been a, a, a good relationship to you know present here are our needs and um, really working toward how do we how do we come up with a solution to you know revitalize the facility uh, bring some jobs back to the community and uh, no it's been a it's been a team effort and it's been a pleasure getting to know folks and uh, so there was no
2: real uh, no uphill battle, no battle to get so there was no real uphill battle here, so it went pretty well. When they they start accepting you, wanted you to come in, wanted you to do something with the building and the place, so that it didn't go to waste.
0: Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. A lot of details to work through, but um, you know, we were you know right from the beginning, it was clear that uh, the mindset was to, to find a way to make things work out.
2: Okay, another question would go through my mind right now is okay when paper machines like that that were in that building were pretty wide and long, and they're a different style than what you use. Could you elaborate a little bit on the construction going inside just a little bit, so people have perp- an understanding? You got all these big white paper rollers, and now you're going to a different size. You got to redo footings. You got to dig up concrete. You got to get to the bedrock so it holds a- all that weight all the time. Could you a little bit on that?
0: Sure, can. But one of the, I guess, one of the keys for our approach, um, a lot of you know paper companies or tissue companies in particular look to you know, start fresh with a, with a bare piece of land and, and construct from, from the ground up. And in our approach in Virginia and now in Duluth is to, you know, look for what can we repurpose or reuse um, to lower our, our capital investment cost. So in the mill in Duluth, um, you know, we're obviously able to reuse the machine and, and a lot of the electrical infrastructure, pumps, tanks, piping to some degree, but we we did um, have to remove a portion of the machine that was in the building and um, modify foundations to uh accept or be designed properly for the new machine that we're installing so uh right now we're we're in that process the you know the excavation piles have been uh have been inserted into the ground down to bedrock and, uh, the concrete foundation is being poured. Uh, a lot of that activity isn't, isn't visible from, you know, driving down the street. It's happening inside the existing building. Uh, but there is a lot of activity happening. And, uh, we're at the point now, um, you know, unfortunately the, the type of equipment that we need for our process is, uh, isn't manufactured in the U.S. So we, uh, we have components that are coming literally from all over the world. And, wow. um, a lot of that equipment has, has been manufactured and, and is being, uh, prepared. Some of it's on, on the way. We've had some shipments have come in from Europe, from Canada. Uh, we have other shipments that are on the water, um, coming from other parts of the world. So, uh, over the next, um, Four or five months. There'll be a lot of activity receiving the new equipment and, uh, and beginning to um, uh, prepare for installation.
2: So, how many employees One. do you have down there right now doing the construction? Is it 20, 30 40 hundred?
0: <laughs> no, we're probably in that in that uh, thirty to forty zone right now. Um, people uh, on site doing construction work. That that ebbs and flows a little bit depending on the task, but. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll probably top out. I don't know that we'll get to 100, uh, probably in that 75, 80 uh, range once uh, all the equipment is coming and we're, we're into the final uh, final stages.
2: So right now you're on schedule, I take it, for when you think you should be opening in the future, but uh, I visualize uh, stuff coming in on a boat where you get these huge products coming in where you got to have the cops come and watch the power lines and all that to move it over to where you're at. Is that true?
0: Um, yeah, to some extent, a, a lot of the equipment um, is coming into ports on the East Coast and will be transported uh, via rail uh, into the cities, and then up to the mill site via truck. Uh, okay. We have um, two major components that are that are large. What we refer to as a Yankee dryer. Uh, it's a big. Cylinder, uh, steam-heated cylinder that is uh, 16 feet in diameter and weighs about 120 tons. Uh, that will be um, arriving from Europe on a ship that will travel through the Saint Lawrence Seaway and come into the port of Duluth. And uh, that will be the, and say, a, a significant spectacle when it's uh, transported from the from the port. Uh, the final distance to the mill site. So if
2: somebody's looking for that, when would we expect to, where people could actually see this piece, mammoth piece, come in where people can going to start to line the streets, so to speak, and want to just see it happen? When, <laughs> it sounds kind of corny, but when do you think that would take place roughly?
0: Yeah, our, our target is for that to arrive um, right at the beginning of October. Um, I was on the, on the phone this morning with the... Uh, uh, representatives from the company uh, it's being built in hungary so it it's on schedule it is set to uh be ready to ship out of europe um mid to late july and then make its way toward the mill arriving late september early october
2: That that'd be impressive Fantastic it, Brad, because uh, the water actually goes right over by the paper mill. There's boats that unload over by the paper mill. There's uh, freighters uh, that I would see, uh, Lakers over there, within quarter mile of the mill. I don't know if they can get that close, but it's really something to see. You know?
0: Yeah. Yeah, our plan, and, and again, we've been working with, uh, you know, city and, and, and state uh, Department of Transportation officials, obviously with the, uh, the Highway Reconstruction Project, um, there's a good amount of coordination required to make sure that our our pathway is is available, and um, you know, so we're we're already in conversation so that there is no surprises uh, when that arrives at the port.
2: So, so let's say well, this. Ron, sorry, Brad, go ahead. Well,
1: I was going to say, Ron and Pete, we have to take our CBS News break here, but when we come back and we talk a little bit about when you visualize. Uh, yourself in operational form. In other words, when are you going to start making tissue? <laughs> but but we're going to okay. take our CBS News break. Uh, we'll come back uh, with exciting news here in the Northland about the uh, opening of the new ST paper mill out in West so We'll be right back. <music> Northlanders, uh, let the sawdust fly would not be let the sawdust fly without a little woodcutter's ball there but let me also say Northlanders weather puts a lot of stress on the roof of your home. If you've had the wind, the freezing rain, the snow, the ice and the hail, how do you know how your roof is held up? 90% 90% of storm damage can't be seen from the ground, so now is the time to have an annual free roof inspection with Empire Roofing. Empire Roofing knows how to handle storm damage claims from new insurance claims to reinspection. Don't miss your window to file a storm damage claim now. Your home is one of the most important investments you will ever make, so let Empire help you protect it. Empire Roofing Duluth can be contacted by calling 218 218- Three zero four zero zero nine two. That's two one eight three zero four zero zero nine two. And if you want to see what kind of work they've done in the Northland, simply go on the on the internet to EmpireRoofingMN.com, and you can see a lot of the jobs they've done. Well, Pete Wood, take it Good. away again on Sawdust Fly.
2: <clears throat> well, thanks, Brad, folks out there listening. We're, we're, we we got to get to the point here of uh uh, uh Ron the raw materials we are finding out how you're redoing the machines inside and everything's internal so it doesn't look like a whole lot going on but there's a lot of busyness going on but you're you're now we're going to get to the point where you're going to start making your product your feedstock what are you going to use because there's a lot of loggers out there thinking okay are they going to start taking balsam and spruce at the mill in that and it's no that's not going to happen but you're going to be needing some virgin pulp could you elaborate on that a little bit your the, how far out you go for the the recycled and what you do for the virgin pulp. Could you elaborate on that just a little bit?
0: Sure. And and again, our uh, the the fiber quality or the type of fiber is is driven by our you know customer specifications. And it, and since we're a contract manufacturer, we don't have our own you know product specifications. So that you know, the, the the specific fiber demand is is a a little bit in flux right now, but um, our our anticipated, say, primary raw material would be office waste, if you will, um, white waste paper that's collected uh, either from offices, schools, universities, and um, that's, that's our primary raw material for uh, we clean it, screen it, separate the plastics and staples and Paper clips and whatnot, and um, you know, make bathroom tissue that that would be used in away-from-home applications. Now, we we've also had a good deal of interest from some customers that that make retail products, the type of uh, bathroom tissue and kitchen towel that that we'd all buy at a at a store, and that would generally utilize virgin pulp. Um, although we, we don't plan to restart the pulp mill that, uh, that was in operation at the mill site, we would buy, um, processed pulp, uh, generally come in in bale form and, uh, feed that to our tissue process. So that pulp could come from, you know, Northern bleached, you know, softwood craft from some of the Canadian mills, some of the mills in upper Minnesota, upper Michigan, potentially, Um, Our desire is is always to stay as close to the mill as we can to uh, uh, minimize freight costs, Um, although there may be some special quality requirements that would dictate us uh, that we buy something from further out.
2: So you're always looking at freight costs just like we do. You're constantly looking at the cost, 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 just like everybody else does so you want to watch how far out you get. But still, if you're going to get some virgin pulp, it's still going to affect somebody in the timber industry where their product's going to be sold because it, no matter what, it, the product comes from the forest one way or another. It's whether it's delayed being recycled or coming from virgin pulp, which would have to come from another mill that produces the pulp would so, so now you you have the, your your process of going through all this and you got to separate the trash out. Um, what's the next process as it goes through the drying and that? How many... I guess what going through my mind is how much waste product are you going to be trying to consume every day, and it must be coming in on like a semi or something like that.
0: Yeah, yeah, all of our generally most of our material would we, we anticipate come in on trucks. Um, uh, the machine that we're installing will have the capacity to produce between 200 and 250 tons a day of of finished tissue products. Uh, depending on the low end of that, if it's lightweight bathroom tissue toward the higher end of that range, if it's uh, a heavier weight towel grade. So in kind of a rule of thumb for us is that when we're using waste paper, um, we recover about two thirds of the fiber. So in order to make 200 tons of finished tissue we'd need to bring in about 300 tons of, a day of waste paper and um, you know typically uh, a little over um, 20 tons on a truck load um, you kind of get the math of, of how many trucks would be flowing onto the site and um,
2: probably around 15, 15 or so, or so, so around the mid mark
0: uh, yep yeah, 15 or so coming mm-hmm. in and another 10 or so mm-hmm. coming out each day
2: well, at 250 tons, roughly, finished product uh, folks out there, think of it this way. Pick up a roll of toilet paper or a roll of tissue paper. That's a lot of product to get yeah. that many tons when it's that light of material. Because yeah, have your kids grab some toilet paper out of the supermarket or something like that, Now, figure 250 tons of that. How much volume that would be? That's a lot of volume because we think of 250 tons in gravel or something like that. Well, it ain't that much. But toilet paper, tissue paper, rolls of paper— that's a lot of product.
0: Yeah, that's a roll of tissue.
1: Ron, I have a quick question for you. D- have you found the interest from people that used to work at the paper mill eh, just exploding that a lot of the people that worked there before would like a chance to show that they can do this kind of work as well?
0: A- absolutely. Yeah, we've... Uh, Consider ourselves very fortunate that uh, we've had um, quite a number of folks are have joined us. Um, you know, we, you know, at at the end of the project, uh, full operation, we expect to employ about eighty people. Um, okay. We have uh, thirty, close to thirty, uh, on board already, and think with the exception, well, by far, the vast majority have returned to the mill from um, past, uh, past operations. Some of the folks that were involved with the mill when it was built uh, in the late 90s and, and have worked there their entire career um, have uh, come on board with us and, and are you know, providing the, the core group that, that we're looking to build upon.
2: Say, say, Brad. Like you were wondering when, um, when, when is the finished product? When okay, the paper is going to start to roll off the presses, and that. I remember Brad asking that a little bit. When do you think that's going to start taking place? Where okay, we're starting it. The vats are going. The trucks are coming in. When do you think the product is going to start coming out that door one after another?
0: Yeah, well, we're we're pushing hard to uh, be in operation before the end of the year. Uh, of course, with transportation there's there's still some some wild cards and and challenges to overcome to meet that but that that's our target and um like any process there'll, there's a bit of a learning curve or or a startup ramp but we we expect um you know very shortly after we start um we should be producing you know, saleable product within that first week and um over the first, uh, say, six to nine months of, of operation, um, increase our output to that, to that um, anticipated 200-ton-plus uh, level.
2: Yeah, that'd be really something to watch that start to happen. So right around the turn of the year or so, and then it starts cranking out. Um, it sounds like there would be a lot of trucking jobs coming because – I imagine you're not going to sell it very much locally. It sounds like you sell it to where there's distribution centers, so that could be a ways away, correct?:
0: It could. Um, you know our our customers um, you know are you know they range there's not not a lot of tissue converting in um, say the upper Minnesota area. There there are quite a few of our customers uh, that we anticipate servicing would be um, down near Green Bay, uh, a bit south of Green Bay. There's a cluster of tissue converting operations um, that are current customers, and and we anticipate growing with them. And and even beyond, um, as we reach farther south, uh, there's some customers in Canada that we'd be servicing. So. you know we will be transporting uh you know those 10 trucks that are leaving the mill each day half or so may maybe within a five or six hour radius of the mill but then you know the other half will probably have a 10 12 16 hour ride to their final destination
2: sure that, that
0: would well, be quite Peter,
2: um Oh, sorry, Brad.
1: Peter. Brad. I hate to do it, but we're going to have to wrap this segment <laughs> up. But uh, before we do that, I, I just want to thank Ron again for coming on with us this morning i know a lot of us have seen a little bit of activity going on down there we've heard rumors that uh that it looked like there was a a chance that the mill would be back in operation and i just think this is the most exciting news to come down in uh, duluth superior for a long time so uh peter i'm gonna let you wrap the segment up
2: well brad i just want to say thanks for allowing us to come on once a month and folks out there willing to take a little time out of your day to listen about what's going on in the timber industry and it's great to have people like Ron come on and talk about their finished product because it's a, it's a big positive. Granted, loggers out there, we may not be able to sell our pulp wood here to this mill anymore, but you'll still sell some somewhere else, and it'll get there one way or another because they've got to use some virgin pulp. But uh, it's, it's a pleasure to be able to come in here and talk a little bit, Brad, about our industry, and I always want to say thank you for allowing us.
1: Well, again, thank you both. Uh, Kenny, we've got to go to our Minnesota News Network, and we'll come back with more here on Sound Off on a Thursday morning.